You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Your Bible tonight, Psalm 121. Tonight, the second Psalm of Ascent as we go through these 15 Psalms together. Psalm 121. It's been good to be in church already. And this is just a Wednesday night service. We're blessed around here, aren't we? And a lot of churches you go to on Wednesday night and you're looking for the uh, funeral uh, parlor, you're looking for the undertaker. It seems like somebody must have died in that place. It's a somber, dead experience. But I'm glad it's not like that around here, even on Wednesday night. And thank you for being faithful and coming. Psalm 121 is such a step beyond and above Psalm 120. In Psalm 120, to be honest with you, I had to work to find something positive to leave you with in that psalm. And in Psalm 121, it's the exact opposite. Every verse or stanza in this song is a positive stanza. It's a positive truth. And as we look at it tonight, it is rich, it is full, and really it's probably one of my favorite psalms as I've studied it over the last several days. If you watched any of the proceedings for Queen Elizabeth when she passed away several months ago, as they carried the coffin of the queen into that cathedral, the choir there sang Psalm 121. Psalm 121 was also the favorite psalm of David Livingston, and it's been called a psalm for someone who is traveling, and it's assurance to you and I that God watches over us. And isn't that a blessing that as, as we journey through life, we have the assurance and then the reassurance again and again that God is not just waiting for us at the finish line. I'm glad he walks with us every step of the journey. Man, that almost make a Baptist shout on Wednesday night. All right, Psalm 121, look at it with me. Eight verses here and let's read them together. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil and he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I want you to notice in verse number 2, in verse number 1, the last word, but verse number 2 as well, he says, my help, my help. For a little while this evening in this series that we're on, Songs That Pilgrims Sing, I think if I was going to title this song, I might title it, Hallelujah for Help. Amen. Hallelujah for Help. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. In fact, let me change, I know that you've been there. In those points and seasons of life where you just couldn't do it and you knew that. And you had to have help. Well, I'm glad tonight that we have a source of help. And it's a source of help that will never fail nor let us down. Let's pray quickly. Lord, I pray for your power tonight as we go through this psalm. I pray you'd help us to get the truth of the scripture. And I pray you'd stir our hearts with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 are known as the Psalms of Ascent or Songs of Degrees. And it's genuinely agreed upon that this, these 15 songs were sung by pilgrims that were making their way toward Jerusalem. As they would travel, they were literally ascending upward toward the temple. And as they would journey the winding roads of that region, the pilgrims pressing toward Jerusalem were heading toward their spiritual home. 
Now, just by way of application, let me say this. God's people ought to have a song to sing. And as we go through life, we ought to have something that we can sing about. And let me say, you might not be able to sing about the mess of life, but you can sing about the miracle God's performed in and through your life. And if you've been saved tonight, all of us have a song. If you've been born again, you should sing about that. If God's ever put food on your table, you ought to be able to sing about that. If God ever showed up in the midnight hour and rescued your life, you ought to be able to sing a song about that. If you study these psalms all together, you notice as you study, they build or ascend in grandeur as you progress through them. The pilgrim begins his journey in Psalm 120 far away from the presence of God, but he ends his journey at the last song of degrees in the very presence of God. The people who would sing these songs are people who had been redeemed. These are people who'd been delivered. These are people that had been alienated by the world and had a yearning to sit at the feet of the Lord. These pilgrims sang these songs because they'd been delivered. They sang these songs because their affections were set on heavenly things. They sang these songs because they realized that every step they took, that step brought them closer to the presence of the God that they loved. Tonight, as we consider Psalm 121, I believe that our focus is falling on one of the greatest and most encouraging passages in all of the Bible. Now, I understand that's a big statement, but I stand by the statement. I believe this is one of the most encouraging passages in all the Word of God. I was studying for the message and read an author, and he said this, the Christian life is going to God. In going to God, the Christian travels the same ground that everyone else walks. He breathes the same air that everyone else breathes. He fears the same dangers. He's subject to the same pressure. He endures the same distress. And when he dies, he is planted in the same soil. But the difference is each step that we walk, each breath that we breathe, each, each time our feet is planted upon this ground, we know that we are preserved by God, accompanied by God, and we are ruled by God. Tonight, I want to preach on a thought that only the Christian can claim as their testimony. And the thought is this, hallelujah for help on the journey of life. There is such a cry for help in the generation that we live in. These are days where people are searching for hope and they desperately need help. I believe that's why we see the great rate of suicide in our day. I believe that's why we see the great number of drug fatalities in our day. I believe that's why we see this overwhelming movement of the transgender crowd in our day. All of these things are hearts that are crying out for help and searching for hope in all the wrong places. A long time ago, back in the 1970s, John Lennon penned this song. And Brother England, don't shout me down while I preach. But John Lennon penned the song, and it literally said, Help! I need somebody. Help. He said, not just anybody. You said, I know I need someone to help. And that is the cry of the world around us. All of the addiction, all of the evil acts, all of the atrocities, all of the insanity that we see. It is the cry of a lost world that is in a hopeless state and is desperately seeking for help. Life is not easy. It is hard. But just try and do it without the Lord. And there's a swelling sea of people all around us looking for help in places that have no help. They're drowning, if you will, in the sea of life. They're struggling down the road of life. They're overwhelmed by the journey that life has them on. And they look for help all around them, and yet they cannot find what they need. 
I believe the majority of people on this planet live there. They're traveling through this world full of sin and sorrows and snares, and they're seeking for help to keep them going another day. If you were to ask the lost man tonight, where's your help come from? He'd say, my help comes from my money. If you were to ask the lost man tonight, where's your help come from? He might say, my help comes from my friends. If you were to ask the lost man tonight, where's your help come from? He might say, my help comes from my government. You could ask the lost man, where does your help come from? And he say, my help comes from my physical health. But life has taught the lesson over a million times that eventually the money runs out and friends run off and government lies and health, health will fail. And you ask the lost world where his help comes from and they'll have to show you the emptiness of all their pursuits to find adequate help. They'd show you a row of empty pill bottles. They'd drive you by a big house. They might brag of their bank account They'd drive their fast car and take their miracle drug. They'd pose with their physical strength and boast of their self-security. They'd tell you about their education and their big plans and wild dreams. And they'd speak of potential and purpose. But every one of those things proves to be an empty well. And as they drop their bucket in the well, it always comes up dry. The Bible said in Psalm 60 in verse 11, Vain is the help of man. But for the pilgrim, for the child of God, can I say tonight we don't have an empty well? We have a well that runs deep and overflows with pure sweet water. And unlike the crowd around us, when the Christian is asked about his source of help, he can lift up his eyes beyond the hills. He can point his finger toward the throne. He can raise up his voice and say, my help does not come from around me. My help rises from above me. My help tonight is in the Lord. He says it in verse number one, from whence cometh my help. But he answers it in verse number two, it comes from the Lord. Tonight I want you to know the Christian life is not the Joel Osteen Christian life. It is not your best life now. It is full of distresses and dilemmas. It is full of sorrows and hardship. It's just as hard or maybe even more hard for the saved man as it is for the lost man. But I'm glad tonight we have help on the journey of life. That's worth saying hallelujah over. We don't have to navigate alone. We don't have to travel alone. We don't have to make it through alone. We have help for the journey. That word help means support. It means assistance. It means aid. Have you ever looked at your financial situation and said, I need some help? Have you ever had a problem in your family and said, we need some help? Have you ever endured a tragedy and thought, I have to have some help? Have you ever felt overwhelmed with life and cried out for help? Have you been sick? Have you been hurt? Have you been at a crossroads and said, we have to have some help? Do you know what a cry for help is? A cry for help is the confession of a distressed life that has come to understand it is inadequate and unable to do what must be done. It is the humbling of ourselves to understand we are not big enough to fix it. We are not smart enough to figure it out. We don't have the means to meet the end. We need something bigger and beyond us. When we cry out for help, we are saying the burden is too heavy. The need is too great. The situation is too impossible. The way is too dark. It is too large for me. So my heart cries out in acknowledgement of my weakness and the acknowledgement of my frailty and the acknowledgement of how feeble I am. And I have to say, I need somebody, anybody, I need someone to help. It's saying this, I need someone who can lift the heavy burden. 
I need someone who can lighten the darkened pathway. I need somebody who can pull a miracle out of that which looks impossible. And I'm glad tonight when you and I cry for help, we are not crying into an empty echo chamber. And I'm glad we're not crying to a fall, uh, to, a, to a deaf or deficient ear. But I'm glad tonight when I cry for help that my cry can go to the Lord and he can help me on the journey of life. And tonight you can be fully persuaded. You can set your flag in this ground that God takes care of his children. And when we're in distress, it adds wings to devotion. It lifts our eyes up above, beyond the hills and sees God upon his throne. And we understand that when we're not able, I'm glad our Lord is well able. Psalm 121, let me hurry and get to the verses in the text here. It's called the Traveler's Psalm. It's broken up into four different stanzas of two verses. But the theme is this, God takes care of his children. It depicts for us a pilgrim who is launching out on a journey. And on the journey, there's going to be hardships and there's going to be dangers. But his faith is confident, God will help me get to my destination. At the outset of the psalm, you can see the resolve that the penman has. He begins the song by saying, I will. There is no wavering nor doubt in the statement. His faith is not still trying out resting places. He would say, my faith has found a resting place. It has an exclusive anchor point. He said, I will lift up mine eyes. He said, my help comes. I like what he says. Not from around me. My help comes from beyond. It comes from the Lord. Lord, not the caravan traveling with me, not the provision that I've packed for the journey, but my help comes from the Lord. Now picture this pilgrim as his feet would get weary, as his body would begin to ache, as his muscles were strained, as he navigates the valley road. He's ascending from the lowest point to the heights of Jerusalem. There's the temple. That's the presence of God. That's where the word of God is expounded. That's where the power of God dwells. And as he makes his journey, he understands. He has strength for the journey as he rests his faith in what he sees up yonder in those hills. And it's not the hills. It's the God of the hills, if you will. That's like we say, you better get to church. It's not the church. It's the God of the church that makes the difference. And he said, I have help beyond the help of this world. There's some hills out yonder. I see grace rising up and mercy rising up and hope rising up because my help cometh from the Lord. Here's a promise that's precious. God is not waiting for us just at the finish line, I said. But he walks with us every step of the journey. Now let me give you a few things about our help tonight. Number one, I want you to notice the personal nature of our help. Look at your Bible. I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh. Now watch this. My help. And then verse number two, he said, that's so nice, I'll say it twice. He says, my help cometh from the Lord. First, I want you to understand, this is very personal help. He claims it as his own. The psalmist is saying, this is not some generic help, and this is not help I have to read about in the headlines. This is not help I have to hear others sing of or testify, but this help that was sufficient for them is sufficient for me. He's done it for others, and thank God for that. I'm glad that he fed the Hebrews' children in the wilderness, and I'm glad that he parted the Red Sea, and I'm glad that he shut the mouths of the lions and raised the dead and did other things for other people. But can I say, I cannot live off of hearsay and secondhand blessing 
things, but I'm glad that's not our God. I'm glad the God that was good is good, and he's not good selectively to just a few special children. I'm glad God loves us all as though we're his only child to care for, and we can rest in that tonight, that you matter to the master as much as anybody else matters to the master. I don't care where you've been or what you've done or where you're from. I don't care if you've been saved a day or for decades. I don't care your tithe amount. I don't care what kind of clothes are on your back. If you're one of God's children, you can anchor your hope tonight in your help, that it is your help. He is my help. He is mine. Thank God for that. I'm glad he's helped others. But my flesh and heart faileth. But thank God he's my portion forevermore. He'll meet my needs. He'll carry my burdens. He cares for my cares. He's, he's, he's interested in my words. He'll answer my prayers. Sometimes we'll hear a testimony and think, well, God did it for them, but he'll never do it for me. That's not true. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. It's no secret what God can do. And I don't care if you're a Bible college student or in the Christian school, a senior saint, or in the middle of life. Can I tell you something? God cares for you if you're saved. He's your help. Number one, the personal nature of our help. Number two, the power of our help. Look at the Bible in verse number two. My help cometh from the Lord. Now tell us a little bit about your help, psalmist. He said, let me give you a twofold explanation of my help. Number one, I'll tell you about his title. Number two, I'll tell you about the magnitude of his task. He said, look at this. My help cometh from the Lord, and look what my Lord can do. He made heaven, and he made the earth. Now, listen, it's one thing if you're in trouble and somebody offers to help you, and it's another thing if that somebody has the means to actually get you out of the trouble that you're in. Sometimes people want to help, but they just make it worse. Isn't that true? They come and add more drama and more stress and more heartache, more broken things around the broken stuff you're trying to put back together because they don't know how to handle what you're going through. But I'm glad that's not the help we're talking about tonight. We're talking about help that is beyond adequate to do whatever it is that you stand in need of being done. And here's what the psalmist said. My help doesn't come from some king or some government official. My help does not come from my co-workers or my compadres in this journey. No, my help comes from the Lord. He's got power. He's got majesty. He's in control. And then he said, well, look at what he's done. He's the creator of heaven and earth. You say, well, I just don't think God can do this. Okay. <sighs> everything. All right, wait, nothing. <sighs> everything. Well, everything's kind of out of order. Okay, then. <sighs> Holy Spirit, move. Start brooding over the waters. All right, now what, God? Let there be light. And there was like, well, I don't think God can make, make it force this. I don't, I don't see how it's going to work out. Okay. Wait a minute. He meets out the heavens with the span of his hand. All the gallons of ocean water... All the expanse of the galaxies, all of the, cele all the, all the planets and stars and the other things, all, all, the, e uh, all the UFOs and all that, all that stuff, all, all the drones, are all that stuff out there. God's in control of it. All the little blades of grass blowing in the breeze and all the little roses sprouting their petals upon their stems. All the sparrows singing from the branches and all the deer running through the valley and all the fish swimming in the sea and all the different parts of my body, all the little uh, cells and different things that have to work perfectly to keep me alive. And God just went, <sighs> yeah, but I'm not sure that he can help. Well, come on now. We're not talking about, we're not just talking about an insurance agent come to adjust your car because a tree fell on it here. We're not just talking about a 1-800 helpline at night. We're talking about the Lord is your help, brother. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be very excited about that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the star, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I don't know, but I'm glad he's mindful of us. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise and spread the flowing seeds abroad and built the lofty skies. God's in control and he's powerful. The personal nature of our help, the power of our help. Number three, look at this, the perseverance of our help. Look at verse number three, the first part of the verse. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Now, there's two things. Here's the realization of our tendency. It is this for our foot to be moved. The very fact he says, I'm not going to let your foot be moved, tells me my foot is often moved. You know why? Because just like that traveler in the, those days as he would w walk those winding roads full of rocks and holes, it was likely his foot would slip. And so the pilgrim would understand as I just try to journey, I'm apt to fall. But here's the promise. He said, Here, here's the task God upholds. He said, I'm not going to let it happen. When God says yay, it's yay. When God says nay, it is nay. And God said, you can try all you want to, but I'm not going to allow you to fall. He said, you might fall in the way, but you won't fall out of it. He said, I'm going to give you stability on the journey. That's what that means. When life is so rough and the waves are so rocking your ship back and forth, in God we have the promise of stability in our standing. We might fall down, but we won't fall out. We might stumble, but we'll rise up again. And the Lord is always there to knock the dust off and get us back on our journey. He makes us persevere. All right, number four, look at the persistence of our help. Verse three, the second part of the verse, look what it says. He'll not suffer thy foot to be moved. Watch what he says. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now, there's several things I want us to notice, and we're hurrying through this, and we'll be done in just a minute, but I want you to notice some things about it. The word keep, that word keep means he guards us, he guides us, he protects us. He is our bulwark, if you will. He is the wall, the hedge around our life. When I read that word, keep, it made me think of two different types of people. It made me think of a shepherd. A shepherd keeps his sheep. He watches over those sheep day and night. He makes sure that nothing can harm them. He leads them to food and Make sure they have water to drink. So I think about a shepherd, but I also thought about a sentry. A sentry is a watchman on the wall. He stands while others are sleeping, and he watches for an enemy to make sure that those in his company are not overcome by the adversary. The Bible tells us that our shepherd and our sentry, the one who provides for us and protects us and guards us and guides us, is the Lord. He keeps us, if you will. He is that head around our life. He is that wall of grace that surrounds us. But watch this. He's our shepherd, our sentry, but here's the good news. He is sleepless. He's persistent. See what it says? He'll neither slumber nor sleep. Slumber and sleep are different. Slumber is when dad snores and it shakes the house. Sleep is when he snores and you just kind of hear it across the room. Slumber is deep. You don't know what's going on around you, and you don't care, right? But this other one is just a little light nap. What it's saying about God is this. Now think about it. No deep sleep, no light snooze. He's always on the job. What do we sleep for? To rest, to reset, right? To, to help us when we're weak and weary. Sleeping is the stopping of the day. 
So what it's teaching us is this. God never needs rest. He never needs a reset. He never gets weary. He never gets worn out. And there's no ceasing to God being in, uh, at his post and at the ready. He's there. He's eternally present. He's untiring. He's unwavering. He's watching over us. God, Here it is. God works the night shift so you and I can sleep. Isn't it amazing how many people are up through the night pacing the floor and biting their nails and birthing ulcers in their belly and they're worried about the affairs of life? Can I say God is up through the night for you so that you can get some rest? Amen. You and I, you, you might as well just go ahead and rest because God is not going to take a break. God is going to make sure everything's running on time. He's going to do all things well. He's going to stay at his post and be in control. He neither slumbers nor he sleeps. Now watch this, the protection of our help, verse 5 and 6. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. Now, verse 6, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. So again, he says, the Lord is our keeper. But look what he says, the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. What does shade do? Shade does not snuff out the sun, but it does shield us from its full intensity. That is grace. Grace does not take the trial away. But hallelujah, it does shield us from the full intensity. It doesn't take the tears away, but it'll shield you from the full intensity. It won't heal the broken heart, but it can shield you from the full intensity. Now look what he said. He's shade upon the right hand. Now there's a couple of meanings to this, and they're totally opposite. The right hand, if you're a soldier, is your defenseless area. Because most soldiers, right-handed, would have their sword there, but no shield, so they had nothing to deflect with. What he's saying is, I'm your protection in your weak spot. There where you don't have anything to go on, uh, on the defense and deflect. He said, I'm going to stand on that side and make sure that you're safe. But then some commentators, they're, they're always, you know, the, the, the other crowd of commentators said, no, that is your strong point. I don't know what's right. But I like what they said, too. They said, that just God reminded you, where you think you're the strongest, you're not strong enough. Where you think you have the most reliability, it's not reliable enough. So I'm going to go there at that point of your life as well. And then watch this. He mentions the sun's not going to bother you, the moon. He's talking about day and night. But listen, there's distinct dangers to each. The dangers of the day and the dangers of the night are different. Remember, this is a Jewish song, and the Jews lived by a what kind of calendar? A lunar calendar. Days and months. Sun and moon. The sun would depict days. God's protecting you every day. The moon, months. God's there every month. What he's trying to say is this day after day, morning by morning, night after night, month after month, year after year, God is faithful to help you and I. One last point and we'll be through. Look at this. The preservation of our help. Verse 7 and 8. Look what it says. The Lord... And the, I want you to see this. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve three times. Preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. The word preserve is mentioned three times in those two verses. And every time it's mentioned, it's mentioned pertaining to a different aspect of life, if you consider it. The word preserve means to keep someone safe, alive, and in existence. The promise here is that God will keep you safe. God will keep you alive, if you will. God will keep you in existence. He will preserve your life. Now, first off, he promises us spiritual preservation. He says, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. 
evil. That word evil is directly connected with satanic attack and the powers that be in, of darkness in this world. Job had to withstand in the, uh, or rather the book of Ephesians talks about the evil day, Ephesians 6. Job had that day when the devil came to his house. Here's the promise. The devil might devil you, if you will. He might try to attack you and bother you, but he's a loser either way. And we've got the promise, I will preserve you against all evil. In legal documents, a contract, if it's not in the contract, it's considered out of the contract. What's that mean? That means if it's not specifically mentioned, then that party is not legally bound to uphold whatever you think ought to be in the contract. If it's not there, it's not there. So you know what lawyers sometimes do? They just get generic and just say, and all the rest of it too. God just got generic in the contract. He said, I promise to preserve you from all evil. He said, just whatever kind it is, I promise, listen, I'm going to preserve you. So spiritual preservation. Number two, though, look what he talks about here. Emotional preservation. He said this, he shall preserve thy soul. Isn't that a blessing for the Christian that we don't have to bite our nails down and pop a bottle of pills and pull out our hair and go talk to the psychiatrist? God is enough emotional support if you let him be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Preservation, lastly, physical. See what he says, thy coming in from this, verse 8, thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Thy going out and thy coming in. He's talking about the minute details of life. He said, I'll watch over you. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and following nothing will separate us from the love of God. Amen. Now listen, that number three is important. Number three in your Bible is associated with God's control and sovereignty, of course, the Trinity, but there's a lot of threes, and I'll close. Christ went to the ministry 30 years old, crucified in 33 years old, tempted three times. He had three disciples in his inner circle. He had to wake up the disciples three times in the Garden of Gethsemane because they wouldn't stay awake. Peter denied the Lord three times. When he was restored, he had to say, feed my sheep. Jesus said three times to him, feed my sheep. Uh, Jesus was crucified the third hour of the day. Creation, the third day, is when the first living thing was created, the plants that yielded fruit. Pentecost happened the third hour of the day. Resurrection happened on the third day. God is a trinity. God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It speaks of God's sovereign control over everything. What is God telling us here? That He has got it under control. That you don't have to worry about it. He's your help. There's an old hymn that says, O pilgrim as you journey, do you ever gladly say, in spite of heavy weather and roughness of the way, that it really does not matter? All the strange and bitter stress, heat and cold and toil and sorrow will be healed with blessedness, for the road leads home. Sweet, sweet home. Oh, who would mind the journey when the road leads home? And that's exactly where this psalmist is headed as he pins these words. And he's got the promise that for every step of the journey, God is not just at his destination, but thank God he's with him along the way. And the same thing is true in your life today. You can sing hallelujah because we have help tonight. We don't have to depend on things that fail, but we can put our hope and faith in God. And he never fails. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.